This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair. Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. Blue Wire. You're listening to the Raider Cody Podcast, the official podcast of RaidersBeat.com. When you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players, you have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, baby. You're going to get everything I got. Everything I got. Give me everything you got. Do it for the man next to you. Let's go. Let's go. Raiders on three. One, two, three. Let's go get there. We talk about rebuilding. Rebuilding. How do you rebuild? I don't think that Gruden came in to rebuild. I think he came to set his roster on fire. Raider Nation, what is going on? Coming to you guys with episode 94. 94, that is six episodes away from episode 100. We got to do something big for episode 100. Got to have a big guest or something going on. I got to start planning that. Got to get this uh, Got to get this right. Um, this is a big milestone number for us coming to episode 100. But focused on episode 94, right now we're in the climax of something, I guess, a little scary as sports fans. As sports fans right now, we don't know what's going to happen. As Raiders fans, we don't know if we're going to be able to sit in our brand new stadium in Las Vegas come, what is it, September 21st or 22nd, whatever day that is, against the New Orleans Saints. What's going to happen week two? Or are we going to be able to sit? In Allegiant Stadium, are we, are we going to be able to experience the Death Star that we've been longing for all like last two seasons? Who knows? There's a lot of questions that lie ahead, um, but I will say I'm a pretty optimistic person. I like to I like to think of things um, in a good manner. I like to think that we're going to be able to play football this year. Yes, I do. I think there's going to be a football season, but will there be fans in the seats <laughs> at this rate? I am not sure. I'm really not sure. Um, a little little concerning for me as an optimistic person. I'm pretty concerned if there's going to be fans in the seats. Um, it, it's pretty depressing. Of course, you know, I guess we're just going to wait and see the facts. Uh, but with everything closing down, especially in Vegas and the NFL kind of giving teams the go-ahead to follow county or city or you know local guidelines uh, when it comes to things like this, 
I don't know if things are going to go smooth for Vegas. Um, I hate to say it, but that's that's kind of the point we're in. Uh, 2020, uh, the year as a whole, has sucked. I can say that confidently, that 2020 has sucked, and I don't think it's got done sucking yet. So um, I'm here, I guess, to maybe deliver a little little outside feedback. Um, I'll be honest, jumping on the pod right now, it's a little bit different vibe than normal just because I feel like this season that we've all been um, amped up for doesn't seem like it's going to go as planned. You know, it's not, it's not going to be the energy that we we're expecting. Um, but it's something I guess as Raiders fans, as diehard football fans, we're going to find a way to get through this, guys. We're going to find a way to truck it out. We're going to find a way to basically uh, make the most of it, as we usually do. So uh, without further ado, episode 94 brought to you by betonline.ag. Make sure you guys use promo code BLUEWIRE because this podcast is brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast and RaidersBeat.com. Uh, without further ado, let's get into it. I will say through all this, all this craziness, all this madness, all the all the crazy possibilities of something that could happen for the first time basically in fan football history, uh, shout out to the Raiders for managing this in a, in a, in a good way, in a well manner, professional manner, of course, um, not you know exaggerating anything, not um, coming out too soon with things, making things you know pretty much wide open. So whether a season goes as we hope or if a season goes as worst as planned, uh, really fans aren't overreacting at this point. We're all kind of in this point, like wait and see. So obviously we're waiting for the facts, going to see what happens. Um, but I think the Raiders are kind of in that position to say, hey, let's do what we can. Let's get fans in seats, um, do the most out of this, because we've all been waiting for Allegiant Stadium. We had a good move and a, kind of a team transaction in some sorts, man. Randall Cunningham, the, the famous, I mean, really, the iconic NFL quarterback, Randall Cunningham. You guys probably know him from the Eagles, obviously, right? Eagles quarterback. Well, he's coming in now as basically the team's chaplain and and a dude that is just an amazing human being, um, a dude with, of course, the team coming into Las Vegas. Um, is going to be great guidance for these young guys uh, through with leadership, the entire locker room. Amazing. Shout out to uh, Pastor Napoleon Kaufman. We are all very familiar with Napoleon Kaufman. He was the chaplain, of course, before whenever we were in, in Oakland. But now moving to Vegas. It's Randall Cunningham. And if I can give you guys one piece of advice, um, I want you guys to look into Randall Cunningham's life. I want you, I want you guys to look on YouTube um, and see some of the things that he's been sharing. Of course, his speeches, his, his messages, I guess you could say of some sort. Uh, Randall Cunningham is a guy that is, is a very popular quarterback, very iconic, very, um, you know, I guess, uh, world moving in some sense, uh, was one of those, you know, before his time type players. But... Uh, he's had things happen in his life that a lot of people would never wish for themselves. I, I don't think anybody actually would wish uh, themselves to, you know, go through some of the things that Randall Cunningham has. He has a lot of life learning lessons. So if you, if you guys ever get the chance, um, I want you guys to look up Randall Cunningham and the things that he's dealt with with his family um, and how he's kept faith, how he's kept strong, how he stayed positive. Amazing life le- life lessons. And he, really, it's getting to the point now. The way we're starting this podcast, it, it's crazy, guys. I'm sorry. 2020 is is not the vibe that I wanted to start with right now. I mean, we're in we're in July. Normally, you know, next month we're starting preseason, and we should be talking about strictly how you know amazing this team's going to be. We're going to get into that, but um, unfortunately, you know, we're 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 talking about uh, some things that it, they're hard to talk about. 
they're um, you know a little bit on the negative side. I hate doing that kind of stuff. But shout out to Randall Cunningham, um, a great dude, and the reason that we brought him on as the team's chaplain, and he's going to be a dude that's going to be amazing. So look into him, uh, learn about him, know about him. Randall Cunningham, welcome to Raider Nation. So I'm going to quit messing around. Uh, we're going to just jump right into our first conversation. And this is going to be with ESPN's Jason Fitz. Jason Fitz uh, is the host of ESPN's First Take, Your Take, kind of a spinoff of Raider Nation's, uh, I guess we kind of have a strong opinion of ESPN's First Take. Well, Jason Fitz hosts, he hosts a show, it's called Your Take. So he kind of gets a fan's perspective, but don't get that confused because Jason has uh, for one, an amazing outlook on things. He has a great angle uh, whenever he's looking at controversial topics. And for one, he is a huge Raiders fan. And coming from ESPN, it's, it's kind of a rare thing. There's a couple guys I know over there that are big Raiders fans. Uh, I myself have, have always been a big NFL Network guy. Um, that's kind of just the direction I've traveled. Um, but ESPN, Jason Fitz, amazing dude. Um, I've talked to him a little bit off the record and I'm really looking forward to this chat. We're going to talk about a lot of things, but mainly um, some of the controversial topics. I want to talk about Derek Carr. I want to talk about, you know, one of the biggest rising stars here in Josh Jacobs. I want to talk about this defense as a whole, making making a flip. And I want to know the expectations for this team going into 2020. So without wasting any time, let's get into this first interview because we have two this episode. We got two interviews action packed. So without wasting any time, let's get into it and let's talk to our guy, ESPN's first take, your take, the former fiddle player for the band Parody. This is Jason Fitz. Joining me now, the former fiddle player for the band Perry, a guy that made the leap into the sports world, and he's kind of taken over the airwaves with ESPN, host of First Take, Your Take, Jason Fitz. What is up, dude? Man, just living the dream. How you doing? Ah, uh, you know, same thing. I mean, that's all we can do right now, right? <laughs> crazy times, dude. Crazy times, but still living the dream. Yeah, it, it, and it is crazy. Like, you think about how much impact the world that we're in right now makes. I'll jump right into it. To, right to the Raiders. You think about when you're establishing a new city, a new market, a new fan base, you're establishing a new connection to a city. When you talk about the limitations presented by COVID-19, uh, these are real challenges that I think, um, first, I'm impressed that the Raiders have navigated them as well as they have. Second, I'm impressed there continues to be so much momentum. But third, I, I think in five years, we're going to have to look back and say, hey, what effect did this have? Because it can yeah. affect the way a team relates to a new market. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, we're even seeing it with it as just Raider fans that run a show. Um, I mean, we're coming in Vegas like rolling hot. You have the draft coming in, all these you know hotels, all these different places. They're so interested in the Raiders and the fan base, everybody coming in. But it's just been put on pause for months. Uh, PSL's coming through. I mean, we're season ticket holders. Um, I know a lot of season ticket holders, of course, in Raider Nation. And it's just so many questions up in the air. And now we kind of had the first domino a little bit today, right? Um, I had a, actually a friend, shout out to Stage Door Casino, purchase tickets to a Kansas City Chiefs game in Arrowhead. 
And they had their tickets refunded to them the next day saying that their seats aren't available that week. And they're, you know, going over limitations. And then we had, who was it, the Panthers? Uh, the Ravens, I know, did a 14,000-seat limitation in, in their uh, stadium. And, and look, I, that's just the beginning, right? I mean, that's for right now. And, and we have to really acknowledge, and this is why it's so heartbreaking when you think about what it means for a new arena. I mean, uh, yeah. you've got the image here. And, and, like, I mean, come on, Allegiant looks gorgeous. And you think oh, about yeah. that fan experience for everybody, and, you know, it's really surreal. You know, and, and for me, working at ESPN – uh, one of the things that, that hit me when the schedule announced came out was the first home games on Monday night, Monday night football. And, you know, I immediately, immediately met with the bosses on the NFL side and said, hey, I want to do something. I want to do a feature. I want to talk about Vegas. It's the city I was born in. So the city I was born in gets the the team that I've spent my whole life rooting for. Like, I want to tell this story. And now you're looking around saying, you know, if I'm able to to go because travel restrictions are real, even for people covering it. Uh, you know, what's it going to be like standing on the sidelines for that moment? Like it's, it's yeah. a haunting thought of, of what it is. So uh, these are all real and teams across the board are going to have to make their own individual decisions, which I think is also stunning by the NFL. So there's no, there's no one blanket statement we can say right now, other than I don't know. And that's really uncomfortable <sighs> for a lot of people. I know, man, we got some rough waters ahead. It's scary. Yeah. It's definitely scary. Not sure what's uh, what, what lies in the future for us, but I'm glad you're bringing up now your kind of, I guess, close relationship and, uh, connection with the Raiders man part of Raider Nation this is good stuff you know I've always kind of I'm not a big podcast guy I don't listen to a whole lot of radio um but I've always known Jason Fitz uh, my, my mom's a big country music fan knew you from then uh great stuff but n- knowing like your show hearing your voice and knowing that you're a big time invested Raider fan is awesome dude and, and here's the thing is the main reason I got so excited to talk to you over the last couple of days it's like I want to sit here now obviously our fan base is pretty much 100% Raider fans there's those few chief fans and charger fans that like to stick around a little bit and find out hate AFC listens West count stuff. too hate listens yeah. count too we'll take them Hey, exactly, man. I'm not going to shoo him away at all. But, you know, really, I just want to make a bunch of Jason Fitz fans today because, I, you know, I looked back. I like to research people that I'm talking to. And I look back due to your stuff. It's 2015, 2016. You're coming out. You're introducing your show. You're, you know, you got the, the Jason Fitz show coming out. I mean, you're decked out in Raiders gear. You got the Raider claw. I mean, you got Raider hat, Raider shirt. You got the Raider throw over your chair. You got still a table set up. Like, it's amazing how invested you are in the silver and black while still doing an NFL show. And I mean, hats off because you're just a prime example of bleeding the silver and black, no matter what you do, you might cover all sports. And if you cover the NFL, it's all teams, but you still just bleed the silver and black dude. And uh, I got to pay some respect. Oh, thanks man. You can't change how you're wired, right? Like, so when I was a little kid, I was in Vegas and my dad was a Raiders fan all my friends were Raiders fans. They were the LA Raiders when I was a kid. I'm 43. So they were the LA Raiders. I was in high school when they moved to Oakland. So city never mattered to me. And it, yeah. like to me, it was, it was never about that. I was a little music kid. And, and on Sundays, my dad always wanted to watch the game. So his one rule was don't practice on Sundays. I don't want to listen to a violin while I'm watching the Raiders game. So my dad and I always sat down and we watched, we'd have a dozen donuts and watch the game together. And throughout my entire life, like the Raiders became my escape. Like no matter how, I, by the time I was eight, I practiced eight hours a day. I was this little classical music prodigy at the time. And like I got into Juilliard and did all this stuff. And the funny thing is for me, Sundays were sacred, not because I grew up in a religious house, but because I grew up in a Raiders house and you shut down and you watch the Raiders play. And even when we were on the road touring with the man Perry, it was funny that the bus driver knew to find a spot where we could get satellite signal. And on Sundays, 
Always had a dozen donuts, always sat down and watched the Raiders game. And so when I started with ESPN, you know, I started a podcast because it was my passion. Like I wanted to, mm-hmm. I, I, music didn't feed my soul anymore. And so, uh, you know, I started a podcast just saying, if I can talk to cool people and have a good time, see where it goes. And, you know, that was like you said, 2015, 2016. Now here we sit a few years later, I'm on ESPN. But one thing that I looked at, like I looked at Greeny. Greeny never hid the fact that he's a Jets fan. And I came out from the get-go like Will Kane didn't hide the fact that he's a Cowboys fan. I'm, I'm damn well sure not going to hide the fact that I'm a Raiders fan. So, you know, it, it's become just part of what everybody knows at ESPN. And, you know, it's been really – I've been lucky to have Gruden hired as a coach and have them become more of a national story at the same time I make my ascent at ESPN. Better to be lucky than good. But, you know, it, it doesn't it doesn't change the fact that everybody knows how I'm wired and, and that I wear Raiders gear year-round and – I, the, the running joke around all of campus is the, the phrase, my beloved Raiders, because that's what I always call them. So I've even got the family, the Golick family will text me and they'll be like, saw the news about your beloved Raiders. Like, that's just what, what's become sort of known. And I'm proud of that. Like, you got to be who you are. And, and that's part of who I am. I love it, dude. I mean, just keep doing what you're doing. Raider Nation is going to be watching for sure. And, you know, you're bringing up all kinds of different things, right? You, you, you were born in Las Vegas. You are obviously a big fan of the Raiders. You watch the team move to Oakland. Ignoring everything that's going on this season and the limitations it's going to bring, what what do you think about this move to Vegas in general? Like, obviously, the first questions that were being um, brought up leaving Oakland was, "Hey, you know, that's a big market team. You can't leave the big market. They're not going to survive." Well, I feel like we're kind of starting to learn Vegas has a lot more to offer. Um, you know, whenever it comes to growing a brand as big as the Raiders already are, um, what what do you think about the move to Vegas and what does it do for the franchise as a whole? So I'll take my my personal experience with Vegas aside because I, I like you said I grew up there, but I moved when I was relatively young to the East Coast. So Vegas has always felt like a part of my home. But aside from that, you know, even back when I was a podcast, nobody was listening to. I I did a whole episode based on Vegas as a replacement for London. My thought at the time was. Why are we doing a London series to grow a game internationally when that doesn't have long-term sustainability in my mind? But you could do a series in Vegas. And the whole logic to it was fans will flock. Like if you are a Chiefs fan, if you're you're a Vikings fan, you just sit down with your wife and you're like, honey, you want to go see a game? Yeah, where do you want to go this year? Well, we can go check out the game in Kansas City or Boston or we can go to the game that's in Vegas. Like these, that's an easy sales pitch to me. So I always felt like Vegas was ready for the NFL. I heard from a writer that I trusted years ago that there was at least a conversation and I laughed. I didn't, I didn't ever think that I would see the day that the Raiders moved to Vegas. And I was stunned the day I saw it happen. I I was convinced they were going to move. I just thought it'd be to LA. We all thought it was going to be yeah. to LA. That being said, there are a couple of things that I think people don't realize about Vegas. Vegas is a crazy sports town when, you know, obviously when they've had that opportunity. Like I grew up around the running rebels in the late eighties and Stacey Ogman and Larry Johnson, uh, th- the city was UNLV crazy at the time. Now I realize it's a different city now than it was in the late eighties, but there is a backbone of fandom for the Raiders that existed when I was a kid. There's also a backbone of a sports city there. And then you have on top of it, sort of a Vegas bond. Like Vegas is a city that really cares about each other. And, and, you know, to be serious for a second, I think you saw a lot about the, of that after the mass shooting that impacted so many of my friends that are part of the country music community that were on that stage. And I've spent 20 years of my life living in Nashville Nashville and Vegas are very similar in the fact that Vegas is a city that helps Vegas, like that believes in helping each other, that believes in sort of coming together. That backbone, that foundation is thirsty to support something that 
is specific to Vegas. That's why the Golden Knights work so well. That's why, mm -hmm. you know, at this point, I, I believe that the Raiders are going to be sustainable. And the last portion of this that I'll say to a long answer to a short question is, you know, I, I have a tattoo on my arm that's the outline of the Raiders shield and the American flag in it. And it's from a few years ago. I had the opportunity to play the anthem before Charles Woodson appreciation game. So oh, I went awesome. out, stood on the 50-yard line, played the national anthem, and I looked at these guys that I watch every Sunday and, and got all the bro hugs afterwards. And it was this, this incredible moment. But I sat in the stadium that day and I thought, man, I've been to almost every stadium in the NFL. And no matter how much you, you Oakland is synonymous with the Raiders, we can all agree that that stadium is a dump. We know that stadium is a dump. It and, was our dump, but it was a dump. <laughs> right. And, and there, there's a charm to that. But what always hit me is as my podcast started to grow and I got to talk to more athletes, the number of times I would say flippantly in an event to an athlete buddy, man, when are you going to go play for my beloved Raiders? The answer was always from those guys, never. The facilities aren't good. The, the, the uh, stadium's not safe. I mean, these are things that players were saying that I think we don't realize matters. And it does. Mm -hmm. We're used to it mattering in college football. Your facilities, your stadium, your fan base all matter to the sales pitch of college football. I think what we don't realize is that even after you become a professional, when you come into certain environments, you want to play there. When you come in as a road team to certain environments, you want to be there. And that's what I, I think when I was sitting in the stadium looking around, I thought, man, I don't really care where my favorite team goes. I just want them to have a world-class facility that players will want to play at. And that's what I think they have now. We nailed it, dude. We nailed it. Honestly, uh, I got a good look at the stadium this last week whenever I was there. I mean, just hearing just the hype from everybody. Obviously, Vegas is ready to take us on. I, and hearing that you're right, you know, the Vegas strong movement, everything that was going on there, that was huge. I'm starting to really love this city that I've never been a part of really until now. Um, now you're talking and, about and, players. And by the way, oh, Oakland, Oakland is a great place. Like, yeah. Oakland fan base is spectacular. I think yeah. what, we, what we're seeing, and we're seeing it across the world of sports. I had a, a heavy conversation this week on First Take Your Take where we were talking to people about the Washington football team naming issue. And it's amazing how the people in Washington, all they cared about. We did a survey on my Twitter account, and I think 86% of the people we surveyed said the thing they care about most is the city name. So I dove into it on the episode and started talking to people, saying, what is it you care about? And what we found, at least through the course of our experiment with people calling in, is if you live in the Washington area, you care about Washington more than the team name. If you live outside of the Washington area, you care about the team name more than you care about the city because it's what you resonate with. For the Raiders, which is undoubtedly and undebatably a global brand, there are millions of people that spend money on Raiders gear every year that care more about the shield than they do about the city name. And that's just a reality for a very successful brand. It says nothing negative about the city of Oakland. I just believe that the brand is sustainable if it had gone to San Antonio, Brazil, or, or Vegas. Yeah, we talked about, we are joking about the Mars Raiders. I'd still be a Mars Raider fan no matter where yeah. they're sitting at. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Super sustainable. Super sustainable. I, I mean, I'll always consider myself growing up. My dad says he grew up a, you know, a Los Angeles Raiders fan. That's how he considers it. I consider myself growing up an Oakland Raider fan. Love the Coliseum. Love the trips. Um, love the fans. Love the energy in the stadium. But, of course, like you said, it was a dump. We upgraded. It was a much-needed upgrade. Uh, we went from having probably, you know, arguably the best fans in the NFL to, you know, the best brand, the best uniforms, to now having the best stadium in the NFL. Um, could be probably the best NFL city. So, obviously, it's, you know, well-deserving. We, we, we paid our dues, as we did probably paying our dues with um, some poor seasons here in the past. Of course, you know, we've had a, a couple ups and downs these last few years. Um, this, these, you know, the Jack Del Rio, the John Gruden era, you know, we're starting to see some spikes, some um, uh, continuity, some different things going on there. 
you talk about players want to come and play in this new facility. Well, we added a lot of new additions, but for whatever reason, the biggest topic, and I want to get this out of the way right off the bat, I'm, I'm tired of talking about it all offseason. I've, I've said my piece plenty of times, but I'm going to ask it because this is what everybody wants to hear, and that's Derek Carr. And, and Derek Carr is a guy that um, I feel like you know, obviously majority of the fan base supports, um, but there's kind of, I guess, a loud minority here that is very frustrated with things. And I'm a guy that, if we're talking about history, used to sit in the stands of Oakland as a kid. You know, I'm 8, 9, 10 years old. I was almost trained to, at halftime, be booing and yelling for the the backup quarterback to get on the field so it's almost like i don't know maybe if it's our dna i don't know what's going on here but jason uh talk me through this what are your thoughts on Derek carr going into 2020 so uh, we're going to try and do something that's never happened in the history of this conversation we're going <laughs> to okay. try and have a level-headed honest conversation with no emotion behind it this is impossible okay. football fans no. <laughs> I love the fact that everybody has decided you either have to be pro-car or anti-car. Here's here's the reality in my mind for Derek Carr. Is he a top five quarterback in the NFL? No. Is he a top 10 quarterback in the NFL? No. If you actually look at the list of names, top 10 is a phrase. It's easy to say, yeah, he's a top 10 guy. And then challenge somebody and say, okay, well, who are the top 10 guys? You look across the board. Is he a top 10 guy? No. Mm-hmm. Is he a top half of the league quarterback? Yes. All right. Is he better than he is worse? Yes. Is there a lot mm-hmm. of good with Derek Carr? Yes. Do you can you win with Derek Carr? Absolutely. These are all things that I believe can be true. Is he an epic world beater? No. Is he Patrick Mahomes? Hell no. But does he need to be Patrick Mahomes? No. If the only sort of litmus test across the board is Patrick Mahomes or bust, then I would challenge everybody to remember what it felt like to your point of what it was like to watch not just to Marcus Russell, but like there was a spot where you looked at, like not you, but fans, myself included, looked at Marquez Tuiasasopo and said, God, this is this is the future. We got the guy. Trust me. Tua's going to do it. Like, yeah. really? Like, th- th- there's a, a level you go back to even when I was a kid. I remember sitting around watching Todd Marinovich saying, no, this is going to work. Trust me. It's not as bad as you think. It's going to work. Like, you look across the board. This franchise has more bad quarterback play than good quarterback play in most of our lifetimes. And what we're seeing right now is the toughest spot to be in for any fan base. What do you do when you have a quarterback that's good enough but not great? And that's where I think Derek Carr is. I think he can be great at times, and I think at times he's sort of head-scratching. But through all of that, do I believe that Derek Carr can lead this team? Yeah. Do I Would I trade Derek Carr for another quarterback that's in that same level? No. I wouldn't. So I'm a Carr fan, and I think that what we're going to see this year from Carr are huge numbers because we've already seen huge numbers. I mean, when you just blindly look at his stats last year, they weren't just good. They were great, and everybody wants to turn around and look at the the couple of plays that we've talked about, throwing the ball away, not being, you know, not taking enough risk, not taking enough chances. He's not Rich Gannon in that sense, and you're right. He's not Rich Gannon. Rich Gannon was an NFL MVP. Is Derek Carr an NFL MVP? If everything goes right, we've seen – that he can be. But mm-hmm. he also, in that year that, that he was spectacular, was surrounded by not one, but two wide receivers that were at the time difference makers. Is he yeah. the type of quarterback that can win with nothing around him? No, he can put up numbers, but he can't win. Can he win with great greatness around him? Yeah, I believe he can. So uh, I think the trajectory is simple. I think we're going to see massive numbers from Carr, and we're going to see a the type of year where finally everybody looks at it and says, oh, Carr's the guy, not because Carr suddenly got better, but because he has better weapons around him. Mm-hmm. And what you'll see is that a top 15 quarterback on a great year can suddenly look like a top eight quarterback. And that's when you feel like you got a world beater. 
Yeah. Obviously, there was a drop-off after the magical 2016 year. Uh, had maybe a little bit to do with everything going on around him, sure. Um, but I'd imagine, you know, injury had a little bit to play into there, um, getting comfortable again in the pocket. I feel like he's grown into that. Now, to add on to your comment, you know, I think to be comfortable with our starting quarterback, to be comfortable as a Raider fan with Derek Carr, I feel like we need to have confirmation that he's a top-10 quarterback. And you saying he wasn't last year, that's not a hill I'm going to die on. I'm a big Derek Carr fan, but I'm not going to sit here and try and tell you that he's been a top 10 quarterback in recent years. Now, with the tools around him, you know, let's imagine that maybe this offense this year is going to be what it could have been last year with um, someone who shall not be named on this show had he not disappeared. With Henry Ruggs coming in, with Lynn Bowden coming in, yeah, with all these pieces coming in, do you feel like now going into 2020 that we can look at this next offseason and say Derek Carr was a top 10 quarterback. So, you know, forgive me here because I'm going to pull this up totally unprofessionally, but while we're standing here um, or while we're sitting here, I'm going to try and pull up the tweet that uh, was put out earlier today. ESPN.com put out a list of the top 10 quarterbacks, and I'm going to see if I can find it. I don't know if I can, but when you talk about Mahomes, is he gonna, he's not going to be Mahomes level off the top of our head, like Russell Wilson. Uh, Drew Brees. Are, are we putting him in that category? I mean, even if he has a great year, we're still not going to put him into that category because those guys have done it so sustainably. He's not going to mm-hmm. surpass Aaron Rodgers, even though Aaron Rodgers didn't have statistically the best year last year. He's not going to surpass those names with one great year. Can he? Mm-hmm. Can he eventually? Yeah. I mean, what I would be completely comfortable with Derek Carr being the franchise quarterback for this team for the next five years. I, I, I mean, again, I don't think. There's anybody, Trevor Lawrence, I know, is going to have people hyped. Maybe Trevor Lawrence can come out and be Patrick Mahomes-ish, maybe. But, I I mean, if you're talking across the board looking at can he get to a level of play that equals Matt Ryan, who is considered to be a top-10 quarterback, yeah, I think he can can reach that. Can he reach Stafford? I mean, Stafford's this big controversial quarterback because he puts up numbers but never wins games. But everybody I talk to that analyzes film and former quarterbacks will tell you he's actually an incredibly good quarterback. Can, Mm -hmm. Can Derek Carr get to that level? Yeah, I think he can be in that level. And if you've got a Matt Ryan, do you feel like you can win? I mean... I do. So that's where I think when you look at the offense, this this isn't about Derek Carr. We're talking about the wrong person in all of this. Who we should be talking about is the $10 million man. You get paid $10 million bucks a year, fully guaranteed to coach a team. You need to be able to coach up Derek Carr to get the best out of him. And if you can't do that, that's on you as much as it's on Derek Carr. At some point, John Gruden's responsibility as a $10 million a year coach is to make the most of a quarterback that is at least in talent, the top half of the, around the middle of the pack, uh, let's say somewhere between 12 and 15 in the league. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't a $10 million a year coach make your number 12 overall quarterback play like he's the eighth best quarterback in the league. You're 100% right. You're 100% right. I, You know, there's blame to be put on Derek. There's blame to be put on everything that's moving parts around him um, going into Las Vegas. Um, but I like, you know, that there's a lot of pressure on the $100 million coach. Um, he needs to go out there and he needs to be, if he's going to be the highest paid coach on the field, he needs to be probably the best coach on the field. Um, and we have a lot of faith in John Gruden. I think he's going to be that guy that comes through, um, gets the proper weapons around him. I, I got to give him, I, I got to give him a little credit. Last year, I mean, he had a big wrench thrown in his plans. I mean, imagine all offseason. When were we acquiring AB? I mean, that was March. So, I mean, he's having basically six months to stew on this guy, having him in your playbook, um, coming with all these plays that are pretty much designed around Antonio Brown. Even if the ball's not going to him, where he's on the field, I mean, he's playing a specific role in that play that's happening. Every time the ball's getting snapped, um, Antonio Brown's – 
role is huge. Um, so for that to get thrown, I mean, out the window right before the season started, he made proper adjustments, um, some injuries down the road, um, and everything going on. Um, but I think, in my opinion, the biggest key now to this offense is Josh Jacobs. And first question I want to ask you, being a Raider fan, throw out throw out the uh, credential for a second. Being a Raider fan, was Josh Jacobs robbed of Offensive Rookie of the Year last year? Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, I, I said it on air at the time he was robbed of Offensive Rookie of the Year. And I think sometimes what you got to do when you're looking at that is watch the film back on when a guy's in and when a guy's not in. I mean, how many times did we see the same type of running play and when it was Josh Jacobs, it went for triple the yards. I mean, that, there, there's mm-hmm. a spot here where, you know, as much as you can have maulers up front, and I believe this offensive line has the ability to be spectacular, not just good, spectacular. But when, you're, when you've got an offensive line that's that good, you still got a running back. You got to have a running back that can find the hole and make the most of it. And that's something that he does at just a different level. So, yeah, I, absolutely. And Josh Jacobs is, is the key. He was robbed last year. I love you, man. I love you as a Raider fan. That's good well, stuff. And I, I will say to to tie Jacobs into Gruden, by the way, I think mm-hmm. it, two things with, with, with Gruden. The most impressive moment for him last year, I thought, came on Hard Knocks, which I, I still believe should have been called Soft Knocks because they didn't show us anything. <laughs> but Hard Knocks, went the, as much as people made fun of it, the knock on wood if you're with me moment, I looked at Gruden and I said, man, I got to tip my hat because you're talking about a coach. I went on air the day before Khalil Mack was traded. I went on ESPN and I said, there is 0% chance that Khalil Mack is going to get traded for draft picks, especially this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard because Gruden likes veterans. He doesn't particularly care about the draft and he's not going to get rid of a great player. The next day my phone lit up. So most incorrect I've ever been on radio, Mm -hmm. but I watched hard knocks and I was like, man, He's changed. He's become, he understands it's a younger NFL. He's got a younger team. He's building around that. So the knock on wood, if you're with me moment was like, hey, this is not Gruden being a veteran guy, Gruden. This is Gruden being like fired up TV Gruden in a, in a locker room. I think that works. The other part of it is after the draft this year, he said something that I don't think was covered enough when he said, we want the ability to be able to go five wide one week and then go three tight ends and a fullback the next week. If John Gruden can actually vary his offense to the point that you can't game plan because you don't know who's going to be active on Sunday, that's a level of coaching we've never seen in the NFL to go that versatile and that varied in your playbook, which, by the way, would require a quarterback that's been in the system long enough to be able to execute it. That's why I think Carr will be successful. If you're actually able to run, hey, this week we're just going to pound the hell out of Jacobs and we're going to make everybody regret playing us. And next week we're going to use all these new wide receivers in every varied way. Congratulations. You better have a deep secondary. Like that is, that's coaching right there that I would tip my hat to. I like that. I think that's the probably the key that's missing to our offense because last year I felt like we mastered if you want to throw three tight ends out there, if we want to run it down your throat, we're going to do that. We have Alec Ingold, we have a beast of an offensive line, and you have a Josh Jacobs that's going to go in there with, I mean, a good versatile set of tight ends. Darren Waller's developing. Foster Moreau's a guy that is not talked about. I mean, had he not got injured towards the end of last season, I mean, he was a massive X factor in those heavy formations. I mean, bunch him up and let this guy break free. The dude's running almost like a wide receiver out there. So that's going to be huge. And obviously Derek Carr adjusting to, um, I mean, run checks. That's something that you'll never note. It never pops up on a stat sheet. I mean, that's something that Josh Jacobs benefits from, that the offensive line benefits from. Between him and Rodney Hudson, having basically two quarterbacks right there picking up protection is going to be amazing. Now you're able to flip the script into an offense that we haven't seen Derek in since almost pretty much 2016 when he could spread things out or when he was back in college and he was a gunslinger in college. Spread offense. 
if you can incorporate those things with speed, with a healthy Hunter Renfro, because like you said, whenever Josh Jacobs was off the field, um, the offense changed. I felt like also whenever Hunter Renfro was off the field, that was another huge step back because then you kind of lose your go-to guy. So we got some go-to guys now. I feel like, you know, this is like the second or third time maybe Derek's coming in with four or five wide receivers returning from the year before, depending on cuts, um, I think could be huge. Now, what's going to help the offense, in my opinion, um, even more than that is going to be more chances, right? This offense was top five um, pretty much in time of possession and drive success rate, but they were bottom five in number of drives. And just like that comes from the defense, right? Turnovers. We were bottom five in turnovers. We had a good defense coming on. We had a good run defense coming on. Hankins getting in there in the middle, Max Crosby being a do-it-all guy. Um, but bringing in the linebackers that we have, bringing in the, the defensive line. I mean, you know the history of our defense. I don't got to tell you. You know, Jack Tatum, Villipiano, uh, Townsend, Atkinson, uh, Hendricks, Howie Long, Charles Woodson, the list goes on, right? We, we have all these great defensive players. We've had um, amazing eras of uh, defenses in the silver and black. Are we able to, you think, return back, you know, get that swagger back, bringing in guys, um, some trash talkers, Amik Robertson, Damon Arnett, guys that go out there and they jaw with wide receivers at practice. They're practicing in a park in Vegas, and they're getting in the wide receiver's head talking trash to them on their own team. That's the kind of stuff I feel like is it, it, it's going good for us. Now, what are, you, what are your thoughts on this defense going into 2020, and can they help the entire team make a jump and, and be nasty again? Well, I mean, when's the last time we saw a great linebacking core for the Raiders? And it was a joke, you know, for so many years where it's like – Jack, did, Jack feels like he can draft anybody and get him to play linebacker, and it never worked. You know, I love Jack, but it just never worked, right? So you look across the board, when's the last time we saw great linebackers? That's for anybody that hasn't broken down much on Corey Littleton. Uh, he is a star. I mean, so to me, number one, first and foremost, the linebacking core got so much better, and they've got linebackers that can actually accomplish a lot in coverage. And that I think that's going to be incredibly key here because – this defense can't be varied at some point if we know that every time the Chiefs spread them out, they've got to bring everybody off the field. So, uh, you know, the, the 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 middle portion of that front seven, I think, is going to be the best we've seen in a generation. The linebacking core is going to be spectacular. Not solid. I think they're going to be spectacular. Now, mm-hmm. how's that help them get after the quarterback? There is an issue here. And, and you know, at some point, is it the coverage or is it the pass rush? One's going to have to help the other. You got a lot of youth in the secondary. Youth is going to be, there's going to be great moments. There's going to be pull your hair out moments. The Raiders mm-hmm. over the last several years has not particularly drafted well when it comes to corners. They just haven't been able to hit in that market. We're hoping that this is, this is different. Part of the, I think, help that they can get there is getting after the quarterback better. And that's where Cleveland's got to step up. Like, And when you talk about Cleveland Furl and, you know, for anyone that doesn't know my background with ESPN, I work a lot in college football. So anything that we do digitally on Twitter and YouTube and Facebook and Instagram, like I, I cover all of that for, for college football. So the last three okay. years, I've been heavy into that world. When Cleveland Furl was drafted, I was handling the digital NFL draft for ESPN. It was me and Mina Kimes and Mike Gullick Jr., Dominique Foxworth, Field Yates. And the, I remember the camera went on me and I just I didn't say anything. And there's this moment where my negotiation live on, you know, we had 10 million views for that broadcast. And in this moment, I'm, I'm, I know I'm live on camera and, and I know I've got to say something because it's my favorite team and they all know it. All I kept thinking in my head was they drafted an amazing human being. I don't yeah. know if he can get after the quarterback. So what yeah. do you do when you draft? Because uh, I spent a little time around that Clemson defensive line before the draft and those guys, they're just good people. So what you've got is a great guy 
that's incredibly easy to root for that you know is going to work his ass off and that's going to play the position in a full rounded way because that's what he does. But is he going to get after the quarterback? I, I don't know. So to me, I think what we have to do at some point with Cleveland is we have to erase the mindset that he was a fourth overall pick and just say, so what, now what? You know, like he's part of this defense. Who is he? I think when we stop expecting him to be the guy that generates a ton of sacks, we'll be much happier as a fan base with who he is as a player. You know, uh, Max came out of nowhere. And, and anybody that says they saw it coming with, with Matt Max is, is lost their minds. If anybody knew he was going to have that success, he would have been drafted far earlier by the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Like, if even yeah. if John Gruden knew he was going to be that that good, he wouldn't have waited that long to draft him. Yeah. So Max becomes this incredible, uh, you know, addition that nobody expected. I still think they're going to have to find a way to generate better rush from somewhere. That's why the Jadavion Clowney conversation will keep coming up. That's why, you know, all the way up until the season starts, I have one eye on Yannick Ngakwe saying, is there movement that's going to happen? He's not going to play for Jacksonville. He is a born pass rusher. So I'm going to be interested to see how they generate pass rush because I don't feel comfortable leaving young corners on an island for a long time against explosive weapons. And that's what the rest of the AFC West has, or explosive weapons. they got to get after somebody. I agree with you. I agree. We, we made a leap last year. Um, we come yeah. in, we add Malik Collins in there. Uh, Mo Hurst made a little step forward. Um, he's obviously playing well. And Jonathan Hankins has been doing well in run defense. So the defensive line took a step forward. But now going into 2020, um, we don't really have the tools again to make that you know big leap. We're kind of going in with the same layout. New defensive line coach, which I was a big Buckner fan, um, but so bringing in a guy that is going to have maybe a little bit more input now in the defensive coordinator's room. He's going to be in the defensive coordinator's ear. Maybe they can collaborate on things, I think, a little bit better um, and be in sync with the defensive line and what's going on in all of Gunther's system. So, man, interesting to see, but I'd love to see this defense be able to make that jump. If we can get back to top 20, a top 20 defense at least, you know, get us close to middle of the pack and be on a decent side of the turnover ratio, I think we'll finally have that chance. Now, I want to end this on one last topic. Um, We've kind of, I guess, rounded out to this point. And I want to know, because in 2016, you came out before the season, and you said that the Raiders were a 10-win team. You said the Raiders would win win 10 games. (sighs) Sure enough, we did. We won 12. We could have probably won 13 had we had, you know, a full week 17. But do you share anywhere near close to that same optimism this year? So last year, by the way, I said they were seven and nine was my prediction. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm usually I'm pretty I'm pretty close. I'm pretty close on these things because I'm well, ever. Well, get real. your globe out. Get your globe out. I want the I want the Raiders 2020 record right now. Um, look, the, the funniest thing I said last year, people rolled their eyes at was I think they're a better football team. The last year I said I think this is a better football team that's going to be more competitive, but they're still only going to win seven games. I'm going to say that I think it's a better football team that's more competitive and still doesn't get double-digit wins. because Not because of anything other than, A, it's going to be an empty stadium, so I think some of that home field advantage that would be there is gone. And it's a, it's a difficult schedule. I mean, there's just some spot where you look around and say, okay, they do have to play the Saints, and they do have to play – uh, you know, in in Carolina for a game that would be completely winnable, but now they're going to go into Carolina with no preseason, likely with no mm-hmm. tape, no idea what Matt Rule's offense is going to look like, no idea how the Panthers are going to uh, attack them. I mean, there's just sort of a blind era there that, that they'll have no idea. So that becomes more difficult. They got to play Brady, right? Like uh, that Buccaneers team is stacked. So I look at the schedule. 
I think, okay, so chalk up two losses to the Chiefs. No offense, everybody. The Chiefs, I just think, are the best team in the NFL. They're going to run their way back to the Super Bowl pretty easily next year, I think. So, you know, I chalk up two losses to the Chiefs. They should be better than – I chalk up two wins to the, the Chargers. They are better than the Chargers. The question is, can they get two wins out of Denver? And I think a split's more likely because that's usually what happens. So they walk out of their division three and three. And now it comes out to what's the rest of it look like. So that's why I think nine and seven is pre pretty realistic. But I think they could put up nine and seven and look really stinking good doing it. I, they're a wild card caliber team. Like they they should be in the wild card playoff hunt, especially with the seventh uh, playoff position. They, they go into the wild card playoff hunt. Mayock has got to do a great job preparing for lack of depth because the the COVID nineteen issue is going to be real. There are going to be players mm -hmm. that test positive for it the day before. Mayock's going to have to have a Rolodex of talented players. And what killed this team last year, to your point earlier, was a little bit of, of one wide receiver, but also a lot of injuries across the, the board to, to Hunter and uh, to Williams. You know, you start to look at what injuries did. A GM, a great GM, and I think Mike Mayock can and is already on the way to that and can be. Mayock being great is going to be important because one game could be the difference between playoffs or not. I love it, dude. Now, see uh – that nine-win team, I'm okay with that because last year, had we won that last game in this new playoff format, we'd be in the playoffs. I mean, we'd been seventh seed right there. That's all it took. So we went through we went through mountains of injuries and everything else going on. We overcame them, and we would have been right there on the heels. Jason, I appreciate you coming on here, man, and breaking down some Raiders football with me. I, it felt good. I feel like, you know, obviously you don't really hide your fandom anyways, uh, but to come out here and be able to lay everything aside, you can talk just all solid Raiders football and not get judged by it. So um, appreciate you, man, coming on here. No, I appreciate you having me. And, and look, I'll always – I can praise Patrick Mahomes. Raiders fans tweet me all the time. like, why do you say so many nice things about Patrick Mahomes? Let's accept some things. Patrick Mahomes can be great, and we can still hope we beat his ass. I also grew up watching John Elway twice a year, and sometimes we got the best of him. So even if we got to deal with it for 12 years, sometimes we'll get the best of him. Good stuff. All right, so for all the viewers, if you enjoyed our conversation, obviously you probably did, you can subscribe to Jason Fitz's podcast down in the description. Um, I got the link down there, first take, your take. Make sure you jump into it, man. All the podcast listeners, get on top of it. Jason, I will, uh, depending on unforeseen circumstances that have already ruined all of my plans this year, um, if things get better, maybe we'll see you in Vegas sometime, man. Well, I, I'm going to find a way to get out there with the ESPN. So drinks are on me. We'll have a, we'll, we'll have a good time and we'll talk football. Shout out to my guy, Jason Fitz, Raider Nation. Like I said, I'm trying to make a bunch of Jason Fitz fans with this. Um, and if you're not getting involved, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel because we're dropping some of these interviews a little bit before the podcast. So if, if you want to hear from some of these guys, especially whenever I get some players back on again, uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Raider Cody. Get involved with both YouTube and podcast. That's amazing to me right there. But we're going to take this quick break provided by Blue Wire. And when we return, will be a lot more Raiders content for you and a conversation with my guy, Murph. So be right back. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. There's no better place to start than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Get in on the action for this week's big UFC fight or check out odds on NASCAR, Formula One, and the Premier League. Can't wait for your team to come back. Bet Online has futures odds, including win totals, division winners, and even league champions. Or check out daily simulations of Madden and NBA 2K uh, to watch and wager on. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word. 
Bet Online, your online wagering experts. So, Raider Nation, we're going to get into this next conversation with my guy Murph uh, from the Murph's fan cave uh, host of rfr live i mean he's got it all i mean uh, mikey and murph he, he does all kinds of shows man he's been around for a long time i'm an og of raiders talk raiders podcasting raiders youtubing murph has been around for a long time you've heard him on my show a couple times uh, we live streamed i know during the draft we've done a couple shows after that i've been on his show once it's gonna be a long time collaboration we have a lot of things in the work um, that are even deeper than i guess raiders talk so we're gonna get into that and really focus on i guess the rumor surrounding J. Devion Clowney because honestly this J. Devion Clowney rumor is the closest thing that we have to any exciting raider raiders news right now we, we have nothing happening we have no transactions no nothing but J. Devion Clowney comes through the rumor mill and raider nation guess what i don't care I love Max Crosby, and I think Max Crosby is going to be the next great pass rusher. I think Cleveland Farrell is going to make a big jump. But whenever you tell me J.D. Evan Clowney could be available um, at probably a reasonable price, I'm all over it. I think it's going to be huge. So, without further ado, no longer wait. We have an action-packed, loaded podcast. Probably one of the longest podcasts we've done in a long time. Um, and thanks to some good content from Jason Fitz and now my guy Murph. So, let's get into it. And joined by Raiders fan radio host, Murph. Murph, what is up, buddy? What's going on, Cody? What's up, Raider Nation? Appreciate you having me back on the show. Dude, always, man. This is is this round like three or four with us now, right? We've been putting in some work the last couple. Yeah, of months. absolutely. Well, this is my second, I guess, official appearance on the show, uh, including the podcast and the YouTube. But yeah, we did draft stuff together, and uh, yeah, it's been awesome, man. Good, uh, good collaborations going going forward, man. I've always always a good time here on your channel. Good stuff, guys. And real quick, before we get into this, um, you have your YouTube channel of your own. And for viewers right now that are n- not subscribed, we're going to fix that right now. You're on the brinks of, what, 2,000 subscribers, right? You're yeah, right we've, been, we've been dangerously flirting with 2,000 subscribers for the better part of the year. So, And I think we're like less than 30 away. So if you well, could, uh, if you could for those of you that are subscribers to Raider Cody's channel, if you could slum it once in a while and come on over <laughs> to the Murph Fan Cave and hit the subscribe button, we would greatly appreciate it you're too nice about it see no this is the thing is you're giving them an option i'm not giving the viewers an option right now before we get into this you're going to click this link in the bio or in the description should i say and it's going to be to murph's uh to uh, murph's fan cave yeah is is the actual title there's a link click that link and hit subscribe turn on those bell notifications murph's fan cave good solid content so i'll give you five seconds i'll give you guys five seconds Go click on that. Go click subscribe. And we're going to get into this thing. So there, there's a few main topics here, Murph, of course, as football fans, period, not just Raider fans with our shiny new stadium. We're sitting here in a position where is, is this not the most Raider thing ever? And it, it, it almost like I didn't want to admit it, but it's like it seems like every time something seems to be going good for us, something comes and crashes down on it. And here we are now with this brand new shiny stadium and we might not have a chance to sit in this brand new shiny shiny stadium and, and enjoy something that we've been longing for. I mean, we've been waiting. We've deserved this. Like it's been a long time to sit in something fancy. And 
it might not happen, Murph. What, what are your thoughts on everything going on? And uh, I'm sure, I mean, you probably don't have a whole lot of answers here, but uh, what's the thought process? It's unbelievable, man. You know, the whole world's against us. It always has been from day one, right? And, and uh, Al Davis fought the NFL and the rest of the world and brought all of us along with him. And and so, you know, absolutely, we've got this absolute, this gorgeous stadium. We're looking at it right now, the picture in our backdrop. And it's, and it's, it's, it's so, you know, all the flyovers and everything that we've seen online and can't wait to see this thing in person or can I because uh, who knows what's going to happen with the with, with the COVID with the NFL season and and don't you know that's just the way that things uh, have, have found us to stack up against us and you know you mentioned you know all the years we've been waiting for this all the years we were peeing in troughs and you know A's players were wandering through sewage in the dugout and like you know what I mean and all the, the all the those Sundays we spent walking into Mordor and, and now it was our Mordor and we loved it um, but you know we didn't have a world-class facility ever and i'm and listen i've been going to the oakland coliseum since i was before i was born like i literally grew up there and and have the, some of my most fond memories at the oakland coliseum but let's face it man it was it's seen its day and it, it and it turned into kind of a dump and so now we have this beautiful you know shining gem in the desert uh the death star there and uh yeah man and now we're gonna wonder on who gets to go Oh, it's crazy. And obviously we kind of just had the tip of the iceberg. I was just talking uh, with Jason Fitz yesterday. Uh, you saw uh, the Chiefs are kind of pulling back their tickets because we try to plan a, a Raider Nation takeover uh, in Chiefs Kingdom this year, but obviously it's not really going to go to plan. Uh, and I already forget the Ravens came out with right like a 14,000 uh, seat capacity uh, plan as of now. Uh, and that's going to go pretty much, I think, around the whole league. And if that's happening now, who knows what that's going to turn into in a couple months. Um, I had imagine right now we're kind of just like going back downhill, I feel like. So we're going to see what this thing turns into. Just to wait and see, Raider Nation, that's all we can do. But I will tell you, we're still here for you. You know, we can shut down the stadium, but right. YouTube's still going to be popping. So uh, we're going to be doing our best between both of us. That's why you hit that subscribe button in that in that description because I can't put all, all the content. Uh, Murph puts out a lot himself. There's a lot of Raiders content creators out there. Um, and in between us, you should be plenty satisfied as well as I'm sure the other channels you're going through. So um, no matter what, we're Raider fanatics. I mean, we're going to find okay. a way, uh, you know, to get our satisfaction here, whether that's uh, Hoku dropping random GoPro videos of practice in a random park in Las Vegas, um, or if that's uh, getting our football cool. satisfaction through YouTube. So we're going to figure that out. But Murph, I'm really excited to sit down with you this time because we have some exciting plans, right? We just finished up our Greater Youth Sports Association um, pretty much like a sprint. We had this little campaign, um, ended up really well. It, it was very uh, rewarding uh, for these youth at-risk youth kids in Las Vegas. But it kind of sparked bigger plans here because originally, Murph, you were the one that kind of gave me this idea because you've been doing charity work for the last few years. And I remember, I think at one point we talked, I said, man, that's a good idea. I said, that's a good idea. I'd love to do something like that eventually. A few months later, there we are, Greater Youth Sports. Now I'm thinking, okay, he gave me this idea. What can we do together, right? Because if our show can kind of spark this thing with Greater Youth Sports and your show is sparking things with Raider-related charities, we put our efforts together, right? We combine forces here. Murph, what do we have in store, man? What are, what are we doing and how are we going to take this thing to the next level? Well, first off, I'm really excited about this. And, and congratulations uh, on your success with the Greater Youth Sports Association. What a phenomenal 
uh, effort and initiative that, that that you put forward. And uh, and so much thanks to Raider Nation and everybody that supported uh, that that effort and, and the way to, to support those kids and that foundation. Man, that was that was yes. really really. If I could use the word badass, man, like that was cool, yeah. man. That's what it's all about. That's what Phantom's all about. That's what Raider Nation's all about. When we say that it's family or familiar, whatever you want to call it, man, we're not lying. And so yeah. the way that Raider Nation showed up for that uh, was was certainly impressive. And, and kudos to you and, and, and your team of people that were that you worked with. Um, so yeah, we've been doing this a couple years now. Uh, so we did Boletnikoff Foundation last year. This year we're doing the Stabler XOXO Foundation, and then um, we did it through um, not direct donations, but we did it through like merchandise sales, through like T-shirts from like shows that are on our network, or um, you can click a link and it will take you to the Fanatics website, and those folks kick us back some money, and any of the money we get, we we put it all in this this hopper and donate it. So again, last year we had the good fortune to part- partner with Angela Boletnikoff and the foundation. And uh, when we when we donated the money, she invited us to attend their annual Crab Fest dinner, which was still my all-time greatest Raiders fan moment, was attending that dinner and speaking to that crowd and, 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 and you know, hobnobbing literally with Mark Davis and Tom Flores and Raymond Chester and, you know, George Atkinson and, you know, you name it. It was just, it was phenomenal. Art Shell. Um, so, the funniest was when my co-host Swag Jeff asked Art Shell for a selfie, and he didn't know what was going on. It was pretty. <laughs> funny. But anyway, so, so, but so we had this amazing experience, and the reason we did that is that we realized that our show got popular enough that we could generate revenue, and so immediately we knew that we didn't want to keep any money. We wanted to give it away, so we were looking for a foundation or looking for a charity, easy enough to identify with a Raider charity like Politnikov. So that's what we did. Um, so. This year, we wanted to. We actually met Kendra Stabler, who's Kenny's daughter, who's the chair of the of the Stabler XOXO Foundation. We actually met her at the Blitnikoff dinner last year, and in just knowing awesome. who she was, and um, we reached out to her to see if if she would be willing to partner with us for this year. So she is, and that's where our money is going this year. So here's what I'm excited to announce, and you and I have some more details to work out. But mm-hmm. ultimately, what we're going to do is that Cody and I, as he mentioned, are going to combine efforts. And where ours was a year-long thing that we had done historically, we're now going to do this in shorter bursts, and we're going to uh, award you know donations to not just uh, the Stabler Exo, but likely the Bolitnikoff Foundation again, and going forward, other entities um, or other you know deserving uh, you know foundations or whatnot. So. Here's the thing that we learned. There's a lot of power in this. There's a lot of power in Raider Nation, and there's a lot of power for us to do good. You know, we can get caught up a lot of times, especially nowadays on social media and the negativity that gets bred there. And in in a way for us to break through that and do some good with our fandom, we're going to generate a bunch of money with your help. This is all Raider Nation. This Mm -hmm. isn't Murph. This isn't Cody. This is you, Raider Nation. That's the listeners to our shows, to Cody's shows. You all are the ones that do all this. We're just the vessels. We're just the knuckleheads with microphones in our bonus rooms. All right. So we're just raising the money so that we can give it on your behalf. And let's show the world who the most badass fan uh, fan base is in all the sports. We already know it. Let's continue to show the rest of the planet by getting up and doing some good with, with, uh, with, with any available funds that we have. Couldn't have said it any better myself. So make sure you guys keep a lookout for this. I mean, I, I say give us, you know, a, a few weeks and this thing will probably be up and rolling. We're going to be ready uh, to kick off the first campaign um, and continue their efforts with the XOXO Foundation. Uh, just like you said, then be on the lookout for Blitnikoff. And of course, we're going to, you know, still do our make this an annual thing uh, for them and circle back to GYSA again next year before uh, the youth sports program starts up again next year. Um, and maybe we find another one in the meantime. I mean, if we could do... <laughs> 
three or four a year, that's amazing. I mean, we might be asking a lot, but honestly, at this point, I don't think I'll ever doubt this fan base again on what we can do um, on a family level. So we're going we're gonna to get this thing rolling. There's going to be a lot of, you know, it's not just going to be straight. You can donate. You can do different things. Murph has a lot of different things with merchandise. Um, it's amazing. We're going to find different cool ways. And that's, of course, you know, some of the kinks and ideas that uh, Murph has uh, to throw out there. We're going to work out a bunch of decisions, um, I'm sure, as soon as we close down uh, this conversation. But, Murph, yes. the reason, the reason we're here, the reason the listeners are here, the reason they clicked on this clicky thumb on YouTube is because they want to hear about a guy that could possibly be a Raider this year. And this guy, uh, one of the Cincinnati Bengals' greats players. Cincinnati Bengals? Chad, Chad, Ocho, oh. Cinco. <laughs> do you see that? Yeah, no, how do people take this stuff seriously? I, <laughs> listen, I, look, I, I'm as excitable as the next Raider fan. I promise you. I'm a sucker for a Raider story. <laughs> Come on. When you see the guy wearing a helmet... He's not really going to try out for the team, okay? There's a reason that he hasn't had a tryout with a team for the last, I don't know, what, five years or whatever? Could you imagine, though? I mean, I'm not going to throw any shade towards anybody, but imagine you're, you work for – you're a Raiders official, right? You're, you're this guy that can answer on behalf of Raiders news and transactions and rumors, right? And someone comes to you and says, hey, so – is Ocho Cinco really getting a workout? And you're gonna sit there and you're gonna go, no. <laughs> and then, yeah. and then you're gonna write an article. You're gonna write an article on it. Oh man, this is never a dull moment in Raiders news. It's it's great. It's great. It's funny. Every year it seems like we get one of these. Remember when Calvin Johnson was gonna be our yes. coming over there? Like it, you know, it seems like every year we get one of these things. Heck, even going back in the day, once upon a time, Jim Brown was on the cover of Sports Illustrated in a Raiders jersey where it pads and holding a Raider helmet. And it was like, is Jim Brown coming back to the NFL? <laughs> like this stuff has literally been going on for like 15 years. Oh my goodness. At this point, I think they're just screwing with us, but no, but really in all seriousness, the reason we're here is there's been, I think one main rumor now that's been going around the NFL. Um, things got put on hold just, you know, with everything going on COVID wise, uh, transactions, there's been no movement. I mean, I think the Raiders didn't have a transaction for, at least a month, like nothing moved. A practice squad, nothing moved. Um, now I think they're starting to understand like, hey, there could be a season, um, but at a very like low capacity, of course, of fans or no capacity of fans, depending on how it all turns out. And probably going to need, I mean, pretty much in the words of Jason Fitz, you're going to need like a Rolodex of players probably to go through um, in case, you know, a COVID test comes through positive. What are you going to do? I mean, you, you can't fight the system. You can't hide it. Uh, that's how it's going to go. So Jadeveon Clowney is still the biggest name on the market. And he had one team, I think it was the Cleveland Browns, which everybody believed was going to be the highest bidder. And they seemed to have maybe the highest offer for him. Then they went and they re-signed, uh, who's their defensive end that they have? Uh, Vernon, Oliver Vernon. Uh, they, they, they re-signed him. So that obviously, I think, pretty much takes them off the board. Uh, now you're looking at still, he just played with the Seahawks. He could return back to Seattle, um, a team that he knows he has some playoff hope with. Or there's some rumors that the Raiders have an offer out there for him. Um, and the sense that I'm getting is that the Raiders, you know, could be interested on something that is very, like, incentive-driven, right? We're not going to go out. We're not going to break the bank for this guy. But, Murph, what do you think? I mean, 
of, of course, I, I try to take my hands out of the pockets. I try not to think cap space. I try not to, especially at this time of the year, because I always tell myself, in, in, in this case, he's a defensive end, right? He's a pass rusher. Well, cap space isn't going to go sack the quarterback, but G. Devlin and Clowney can. So there's no point in letting <laughs> yeah. this extra money sit on the roster if it's not going to get used. Exactly. So if it's a one-year contract and not going to hurt us down the road, um, that's something that could work out. On the roster, J. Devion Clowney pairing up with Max Crosby, Cleveland Farrell, question marks. What do you think of uh, all the rumors? Yeah, first and foremost, since there are no uh, contracts to be accounted for, that you can't weigh the value. And I'm all about value. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's all, you know, is, is the player going to be going to be worth it under the, the, the amount of consideration you're going to give them from compensation perspective? And so, because that is, it does certainly come into play. But like what you're talking about on a one-year deal, but I don't know. Is he getting one-year deals from a lot of uh, offers from a lot of teams? And that's why he hasn't signed. I mean, we're talking about a pretty high-profile guy, and we're way deep into the season already for this guy not to be on a team. So I got a feeling yeah. that he's not getting a bunch of like three-year deals levied at him, that he's probably looking at a bunch of one-year incentive-laden deals because there has been injury concerns uh, for him in the past. So, but in terms of so, but taking that out of the equation, if we're talking about just looking at him uh, in a vacuum and just looking at him as a player. I'm absolutely all over this thing, and there's a couple of reasons why. Is that number one, we struggled last year um, in in a few different arenas. We struggled with with points allowed per game. We were 26th in the league. We str- certainly struggled with sacks uh, at 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 32. So uh, with with 32 sacks tied for 24th, mm-hmm. we only had 15 takeaways, which is one up from the bottom. And as far as uh, long plays given up. Uh, we were tied for 27th. So I know that he doesn't play in the secondary, but point being though, is that if your pass rush gets there and your quarterback doesn't mm-hmm. have time to sit back there and hit us down deep, then uh, then that certainly removes that stat from the equation. So if we look at Clowney, basically when you look at his uh, sack totals over his career, he had four and a half, he had six, and then he went and back-to-back years with nine and then last year with three. Now, a lot of people will tell you, oh, you only had three sacks last year. Yeah, but this guy is highly disruptive and he's highly yeah. disruptive in the running game which certainly uh, doesn't get taken into account. So when you look at like, and I'm not going to, I'm going to save everybody the boredom of me rattling off a bunch of numbers at you, but just know this, when you look at his career year in, year out, he about has the production of the Condor. So when you look Mm -hmm. at Max Crosby's rookie season, you look at tackles for loss, you look at quarterback hits, you look at combined tackles, you look at sacks, you look at all that stuff. You're talking about somebody that represents the same production as a Max Crosby. So the only one that, that they differ on, frankly, was that Jonathan Hankins had like 50 tackles from the line. And, and that's, the, and that was more than what Crosby did that would more rival like what Clowney does from a, from a production perspective. So I say all that to say this, wouldn't you love Raider nation to have another Max Crosby? Yeah. Or in this case, wouldn't you love to have two Jadavian Clownies or whatever you want to call it? But you're talking about having equally productive, kind of similar game, frankly. Like mm-hmm. this, you know what I mean? Like, and I know we've only got one year of Max Crosby, so I'm not going to get too crazy about it. But when you look at numbers, <laughs> when you look, I know we're fans, what else are we going to do? But when you look yeah. at it from a numbers perspective, and this will add then versatility to somebody like Cleveland Farrell, who can move around then, they because they mm-hmm. like to kick him on the inside. They like to move him around. You could do all kinds of fun stuff. What if you got both these guys lined up on the outside or you move Farrell over to, uh, all the way to the other side and, and, and have him and Crosby, you know, uh, next to each other? Like, you could create create all kinds of fun mismatches and do a lot. And look, 
right after franchise quarterback, one of the most, if not the most important position on the field is pass rusher because you have to mm -hmm. disrupt the other team's freaking franchise quarterback. And then the last thing I'll say about this is that not only do you have to be disruptive in that, in that, with that pass rush and, and, and generate those sacks and quarterback hits, but you damn well better be able to play the run and the Raiders better damn well be able to play the run this year. Cause Oh, guess what? The first two weeks we got Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey go, we got yeah. to go up against like, let alone Sony Michelle and Melvin Gordon and all that. Like there's a lot of freaking good running backs. When you look at the Raiders schedule, I didn't even mention Nick Chubb, right? Like, I mean, you think about all the guys that we're gonna have to go against we better be able to play the run and so somebody like Clowney can come in here and definitely make an impact i'm i don't get all excited about like prospects but this is one that i could get behind man it makes a lot of sense as long as the dollars are there let's do it pull that trigger hey it makes sense to me talent on the field i mean you look at everything that he has going on there's one argument that people are going to make and that's the sacks have dropped off but I mean, come on. The dude is a do-it-all guy. I mean, force fumbles. That, I mean, that's one thing. You get back to you, you force three or four force fumbles um, a year. I mean, that's huge. That's four huge. turnovers you, right there. Turn games, and that's what we miss with Khalil Mack. And I, and I support why the Raiders moved on from Khalil Mack. All you got to do is look at our past couple drafts, and you can figure out that one real easy. But And so I get that, but in terms of what he did and when he did it, that was what was so clutch about Mack. Yeah. Is he would close out the game. He was the guy to get the big sack on third down. He was the one to pick off Cam, New Cam Newton at the five and trot into the end zone. He was our closer. He was our Dennis Eckersley, right? He was the yeah. guy that would shut the game down. We missed that. So if and Max has the potential to do that, we know Clowney has the potential to do yeah. that and the capability, not even potential at this point. Put those yeah. two guys on the same line. Heck yes. I mean, Clowney's got the talent, no doubt. I mean, honestly, there, there's no question. Obviously, came out top prospect out of college. But why has I mean, really, you you watch this guy play when he's healthy and fully into a game, a clutch game. He performs. He I mean, he did that against us. When was that? Uh, two years ago, London. Yeah. Was, it, was, was yeah. yeah. I mean, it was, was killing us. It was Colton Miller, right? Colton Miller's playing on like a bum knee or whatever. But still, I mean, that's not really the point. Clowney, the only question I have with him is, does he love football? And that question is going to get asked by John Gruden oh, right, yeah. every single day, every time he sees him in the hallway. Like, do you love football? And that, that, those were the questions that were um, getting asked whenever he was in Houston. I mean, you look at the way this guy plays. There is no reason he should not be signed on a four-year contract right now close to 20 million a year what is the holdup i mean i think if at this point if he got offered anything over 20 he's on a team and honestly it's not like he's missed that many games i, I could see like if he's missing like half season half seasons half seasons but i mean he's out there and he's i mean pretty much active 12 13 14 games a year uh what how many years has he been in the league six years or something like that besides like his first couple years getting in the league that's where he was injury riddled since then i mean for the most part he's been available but is there like a question of drive because i know that's where houston got frustrated like he missed so many games with a knee injury and then he decided to sit because he was like feeling sick or something like he didn't feel right and yeah kind of like whoa what's going that's a, on that's a that's a tough one to read too because bill o'brien is not like the guy that gets along with players right so you don't know mm. it, it, you know what i mean so we don't know is was 
You know, look what he did to DeAndre Hopkins for crying out loud. You're talking one of the best wide receivers <sighs> in football. You know what I mean? So was was Clowney mo- demotivated because of the relationship and the treatment and all mm. that? Kind of, now, we don't know that kind of stuff. We only know that inside the walls, right? We'll never know that stuff. But absolutely, I agree with you 100%. Because if the answer to that question, as excitable as I just got two minutes ago about all this, if the answer to that question is that he's not as passionate about football as John Gruden and Mike Mayock are, well, then no, we definitely don't want to bring We Like, heck no. You don't want to get anywhere near him. But now, could John Gruden and Mike Mayock be that answer to flip him around? Yeah, Fresh air, exactly. That's and that's a new stadium, right? I mean, he has he has all the tools. I mean, I mean, you covered it all. I mean, lay it all out there, dude. Is a disruptor. He forces fumbles. He gets behind the line of scrimmage. You don't even have to be around the quarterback if you're just breaking through that line. If you're just beating your opponent every single time, at some point they're going to stop running in your direction. You just took away one half the field in the run game. So it's one of those things where Jay Devion Clowney is a guy that you're going to game plan against. Him and Max Crosby, I like that. Now, where does that leave Cleveland Farrell? Because in my opinion, Cleveland Farrell could have an argument. He's not going to be the same player as Clowney. He might not be as disruptive as Clowney. But he can almost, I think, give you maybe that same production with some tweaks, uh, with a little leap, of course, I guess, you know, in being disruptive, in actually finishing plays, not just being the guy that sets up. Um, if they move him inside, hopefully being able to hold, like, you know, the body weight and the size to be able to play the position that they're asking him. What do you think that does for Cleveland Farrell? Is that, I mean, is that them admitting, like, hey, like, uh, maybe we missed a little bit? Or is it finally, like, are we going to say, like, okay, look, Let's wipe away what we're trying to do with Cleveland. Let's bring in Clowney. Let's put Farrell in the perfect role for him to come in, rotational guy, where he can, I mean, he could be in there almost every down, almost any down. If they need Cleveland Farrell in there, he can be that guy and leave a mark because he's smart. He's a hard worker. Um, and he can put himself wherever he wants that defensive line. Is that is that the key? Is there any uh, concern with maybe Farrell's self-esteem or his confidence levels because I'll tell you last year he came in fired up um pretty much like all the way into it and then once everyone's kind of started like ragging on him things kind of fell off so do you think uh Cleveland Farrell needs a little confidence boost here and and would Jadeveon Clowney throw a wrench in his plans I don't know I mean the Raiders are all about creating competition at any position right including yeah. defensive coordinator you know what i mean like they're not prepared to challenge you for your job and i don't think that any player and anybody that's in a competitive environment like this should be intimidated by that and i think that it should motivate you if anything and if it look at here's the thing if he gets in his feelings about it then that tells us all we need to know about him as a player and he's not going to be the right guy. So yeah. if, how important is it for you to be on this football team, to be productive, to do what the team needs you to do to win? And if he's not willing to do that, or again, if he gets hurt by that, well, then sorry. Well, then you'll have fun being a Texan in four years or three years or whatever, or whatever, wherever it is that you go. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that, think about when the, the Raiders have built their team, especially the draftees, through the idea that you have to love football as much as the two guys that are your bosses and that if you don't love football that much and if you're not willing to be a leader if you're not willing to step up and then then they're not then they don't want you but i don't think that's what farrell's character is i don't i don't have any concerns about that i don't think that he's going to be that guy he can't look at he came from a winning program he came up you know with clemson under dabo sweeney or sweeney i mean that's 
that's the environment he came up in, and that's the reason that the Raiders draft so much out of that particular program is in or even Alabama. Like you know, they're drafting these guys out of these these programs that are all about the team. They're all about the greater good. And so if if Farrell's got to take a little bit of a different role and kick inside and suck up blocks, well, heck, that's what he's good at. I mean, he did it this mm-hmm. year. He's good at sucking up blocks. And why do you think Max Crosby was so productive? I think that was an absolute huge reason why. And unfortunately, Farrell doesn't get a lot of the credit for that. Um, but he shouldn't need it. If the Raiders yeah. start putting up some W's, fill up the column on the left and leave the column on the right empty, and everybody's going to be happy. I love it. So we've, I think we've pretty much covered all the topics or all the questions that have been asked by the fan base throughout this entire rumor. So he has the talent, not a question. I don't know if anyone's even questioned that. His drive, questionable. But guess what? We might finally have the recipe to be able to fix that with John Gruden, with the locker room, with everything going on. Put him in this environment, he could be a lot more motivated with a new opportunity in the silver and black, um, and to kind of be the guy. Like he's not, you know, he's not behind a JJ Water. He's not behind like a, whatever a D Ford or whoever he was playing behind in Seattle. He he has an opportunity to be the guy and be a change on a defense that we hope is going to be a little bit more nasty. And when it comes to Cleveland Farrell, because that, I mean that's what everyone is asking about. Well, what does that mean for Cleveland Farrell? Well, Cleveland Farrell, I think, will happily settle into any role that is given because a defensive line isn't made up of just four, you don't just look at the four starters. Like, just because you're not the four starter doesn't mean you're not a huge part of this defensive line. I mean, I think you need six to seven solid you defensive know. linemen every single game. And it's not just starters. I mean, you have your starters, you know, quote-unquote starters out there on the field first down. Second down, I mean, you could have two or three of those guys rotating in and out, and you're already just keeping fresh legs in there. That's what you need. You need bodies. We don't just need four good guys. We need six or seven. Right now, we might have, like, four or five. You know, we might have a couple rotational guys in there. Bring in Jadavion Clowney. I think that fills out that whole rotation. And we have room. Cleveland Farrell would be that guy that comes in if we do have injury issues with him or with anybody. I mean, really. So um, I think we've covered the board, Murph, and I think we're both on board at this point. Just like I told you before we got on the show, um, we want to talk about money, too much money. Well, we're not spending the money anywhere else right now. What are we going to do with cap space? Cap space ain't going to go sack Patrick Mahomes. He's not gonna. He's not gonna shut him out on third and fourteen. So it's one of those things where if we have the money to spend and we can, if we can make it work, and we could, we could load his contract with incentives, and we could find a way to pay him what he's worth for a year, give him a prove it contract. Say, look, dude, if you have any questions about his ability to play football, say, look, Jay Devion, here's your contract. You go out there, maybe you only play ten games, you get like three or four sacks. Here, you're gonna get four million dollars if you don't really produce. But if you go out there and you get double-digit sacks, you play all 16 games. I mean, you're getting double-digit tackles for losses. You force some fumbles. You get all this stuff. We go to the playoffs. You play a playoff game. Maybe you get $15 million, $16 million on a prove-it contract. Easy money. Take that into next offseason and go cash out. I don't even care where you go at that point. You know what I mean? Just bring it to us now. If we have the opportunity, why not? Yep. So that's it, right? Jadavion Clowney, thumbs up? Yeah. Thumbs up. <laughs> Absolutely. Good stuff. Murph, this was a good conversation. Good stuff. It, whenever we first talked, I said about 15 minutes, but um, in usual fashion, <laughs> we about doubled our time. So that's, <laughs> you can't put two podcasters together and expect them to hit their time limit. I know. I don't, I don't, I don't do this stuff because I don't talk a lot. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's kind of why I do this stuff because I can't shut up. <laughs> about the Raiders what yeah dude all things subjects I could ramble endlessly on about and this is the number one of those <laughs> good stuff well like I said a reminder again before we close this out 
go down in that description. And if you click on that link and not over 2,000 subscribers, you better make it happen. Otherwise, we're going to do a live stream. And I'm going to sit here and I'm going to hold you by your neck. And I'm going to say, <laughs> look, until you subscribe, I will not say another word about the Raiders. So let's make this easy. Easy route. 2,000 subscribers. Murph's fan cave let's do this thing so murph thanks for coming on buddy we got a we got a lot of content to fill in the show i'd say goodbye but it's kind of more of a see you soon type thing absolutely man thanks again for having me back on again cody i really appreciate it man always a good time chatting it up with you about the raiders so that's going to wrap up this huge episode episode 94 rolling up creeping up on episode 100 shout out to everybody that has reached what is this like the 80 minute mark this is huge so shout out to raider nation um, coming through big time in the offseason shout out to the raider fanatics that are still digging and itching for raiders content thanks for tuning in uh, make sure you subscribe make sure if you made it this far and you haven't left a five star rating or a review do it you're a diehard you're you're a major listener um i i I find you at this point uh, a major contributor to this show you keep the show rolling um so dive in a little deeper, leave that rating, leave that review. And if you've made it this far, I've heard it, you know, there's something from my guy, Will Compton and Bustle with the Boys. If you unsubscribe and resubscribe, you bump me up the football ranking. So this is a top 100 NFL podcast. You unsubscribe, resubscribe, you can keep bumping the Raider Cody podcast up that list. So do it. If you're listening at this point, get on your Apple podcast app, unsubscribe, and then resubscribe get that thing going shout out raider nation we will see you guys probably next week Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. 
And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.